Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show about the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, VAR comes in and VAR leaves alone. But does the difference between those moments benefit big clubs? We'll discuss how and why there. How should referees deal with glass bottles and laser pens? We'll get into that. And as we head into the season's final stretch, how do referees handle the growing pressure as every decision becomes even more heavily scrutinised? I'm Mike McCarthy, broadcaster and football journalist, licking my lips at the mouthwatering clashes to come in the coming weeks and months. With me, as always, sharpening his pencil to take us through the fine detail of the weekend's decisions, former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett. Keith, good to see you after our little break. I trust you well. Yeah, good, good to see you. I, I had a bout of COVID, but uh, managed to get over that. Good to hear you're fighting fit. It was just like a heavy cold. <laughs> well, uh, that, that has been about four million of us, yeah. I think, in the UK this week <laughs> had the same thing. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's deal with some of the incidents, well, from the Premier League uh, this weekend in just a moment, because I want to get into a couple of things that have been uh, happening over the break. Not least, first of all, we haven't had a chance to discuss the fact that in the World Cup qualifier between Senegal and Egypt, uh, the game saw laser pens being shone onto the pitch for the duration of the mm. game, pretty much. Uh, and then in the penalty shootout, it became even more pronounced as the Egyptian penalty takers had pens shone at, directly at their faces, and indeed the Egyptian goalkeeper at the same treatment uh, during the shootout as well. How on earth do you deal with something like that, with laser pens within the crowd, Keith? Because there were th- like thousands of them. I, I was disgusted when Mo Salah stepped up to take that, that penalty kick because he was covered in green. Laser pens are dangerous, particularly around the eyes, obviously. And I'm sure that they're off-putting and they're unfair. How do you stop it? Well, the reality is, I think I would have taken a fairly draconian step you can't ignore it as a referee. So I think the first line of duties was that referee to bring security get and get security involved, to go across, express that you're unhappy, that you're not going to allow the game to continue and, unless those laser pens reside. And then uh, the ultimate scenario, and you wouldn't want it to happen, but I suppose it's within the power of the referee to say, right, okay, I want everybody out. I'm going to take the players off. You get everybody to leave the stadium and I'll replay that little bit away from the spectators. Now, that's harsh and it will be difficult to execute, but I don't think you can ignore it. The players' safety is endangered. I mean, I guess I wonder what the security people would be saying at that point if if you as a referee go to them and say, look, the penalty shootout can't happen with these laser pens. You've told me you can't get rid of the laser pens. You're going to have to get everyone out of the, the stadium. I mean, they might tell you, well, it's not safe to do that. The, ulti- the ultimate sanction then for the referee is to bring the players off. That's within his power. You know, he'd do that if the pitch is unfit. He'd do that if there's a security issue. And I think this is a in that in that category of a difficult one, for sure. But, you know, football can't ignore it. You've just got to take some action. And in a way, I'm disappointed that there seems to be a general acceptance by FIFA that, okay, fine, Senegal have gone through, it's not a problem, let's bin it. Whereas I I would have expected FIFA to suddenly 
come out and say this is unacceptable we're going to take some issues. Well, it does strike me as something that can escalate at future games. Absolutely. You know, we've had fireworks in games and body searches before spectators are allowed in the game. So it might even invoke that procedure. It's something that a bit closer to home we've had to look at this week in the Old Firm derby as well. Not laser pens, but a glass bottle being thrown uh, onto the pitch at Ibrox and the penalty area that Joe Hart, the Celtic goalkeeper, was defending in the second half. The second half couldn't begin until all the glass had been cleared. I think Joe Hart helped the referee enormously by not making a big song and dance. He brought it to the attention of the referee. I mean, this is a big match. I'd have loved to have refereed an, an old firm derby. I, th- I think this referee was brilliant today. I, I just think Willie Collum was almost faultless in his performance. He, he, he had, a, he had a, a sort of presence and a calmness on the field of play, allowing the game to breathe, uh, not jumping in with yellow cards. And, of course, the power of that is not coming in early. You didn't get the, the red cards to follow. So allowing it to breathe, taking a, a very sort of important approach to the game, Yes, it was the ninth time, I think, that he's refereed the old firm derby. So he's got some experience and he's, he used that experience. So for me, it was an outstanding performance. I thought he managed the players really well. There was some difficult situations. When the card was needed, he came in quickly. He didn't, uh, didn't hesitate. So I think he had a brilliant performance. I think on the glass throwing, this is getting beyond a joke, I think. Uh, it's not the first time. I'm sure it'll not be the last Somehow they've got to make a, a preventative approach. And I don't know how many were there, 50,000, I suppose. Uh, how do you search them and do a body search and stop them bringing bottles in? There's got to be a way. It, it's a depressing reality that that, that uh, football may have to face, which is uh, really sad for uh, everyone who goes to a game with no intention of doing anything like that. Um, one of the things, I guess, about this is at least... Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was from the Rangers fans' toilet rolls and tennis balls. There's no danger to a player there. With Joe Hart in the second half, uh, he would have, every time, I guess he went to the ground, think, hang on a minute, did they clear this area properly? With something like glass, it's very difficult to know. Yeah, the ground staff were, were brilliant. I think everybody uh, did the best. They wanted the game to continue, and I think they did that really well. But I just think that... You don't want it. You don't need it in a big game. In fact, I don't know what people are trying to achieve here. You know, let's just have a game of football and let's enjoy it and let the participants on the field show the the strength, the power and the skill that we see in the local derbies. Um, just on Scottish refereeing, before we get into the Premier League uh, weekend, over the years, if I put out the name Hugh Dallas, I think a lot of football fans and listeners to this show will be instantly familiar uh, with his contribution uh, to refereeing in Scotland. We'll have seen him at World Cups and, and all sorts of things. But Scottish refereeing now, where's it at? Do, do I mean, is this something you follow at all, Keith? And, and Yes, it is. Uh, you know, and, and how how is the Scottish game doing in terms of its produce, production of, of good referees? Well, I think, I think if you've got to referee... The old firm derby, you're going to get an experience that's probably short to many referees in Europe. I think this is a big special occasion uh, and the referees do extremely well. Um, I think the current crop of referees in Scotland are really good. I've watched them very closely this season. 
Uh, they're getting the big decisions right. There's some criticism. Obviously, they're going to make errors. The debate that they've got at the moment is, uh, are they going to introduce VAR? And it will impact, for sure, on the game. Have they got enough referees of quality? I think one of the things that I've been very pleased with is that they've brought Howard Webb across. So Howard's had discussions with them. Clearly, they're going to follow the the route of... Uh, the American game in terms of its usage. You know, Howard promotes this idea that if a referee goes to the screen, it doesn't automatically have to take the VAR decision. And interestingly, somebody sent me a note earlier today because this is the same in the Dutch league where referees are seen to go to the, to monitor and uh, stick with the decisions. And, and therefore, I think in other countries we're seeing VAR operate. I think it will come in in Scotland. There's a big question mark about the cost. But of course, FIFA are working on VAR Lite. That's the title they've given it. We're, I think we're, that is a three or an eight camera system. Quite a reduced cost. Probably not as sophisticated, but perhaps helps that decision-making process. But, you know, in Scotland, few occasions when... The referee might have wanted another look, but generally the performance of the referees are outgunning the referees in the Premier League, in my opinion. Interesting to hear. Well, if you follow the Scottish game and want to have your say on uh, on decisions that you've seen, then by all means get in touch. You can do that anytime. Hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is our email address. So let's get into the Premier League weekend then. Uh, VAR coming in sometimes, VAR deciding not to intervene in others this week, uh, Keith. Let's, let's talk about the interventions first, um, starting actually at, at Old Trafford on Saturday evening. Manchester United won, Leicester City won. Leicester for a while thought they'd actually made it 2-1 until Andre Marino was advised to go to the screen and look for a foul uh, from Inacho on Manchester United defender Rafael Viran. So Madison's winner ruled out. What did you make of that call? I thought it was an arsh turnover. Uh, frankly, I would have not wanted VAR intervention. I think Marino was in a good position. He made his judgment. I don't think it was a clear and obvious error. I think if you're going to rule out a goal, you've got to be 100% right. It's got to be absolutely the right thing to do. And I think that everybody was left in some doubt about this one. So for me, I would have, I would have allowed Madison's goal. Hmm. It's an awkward challenge from Ian Acho, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those ones... The, the, the debate around it seems to be whether Varane was losing his balance already, yeah, or or, or not, um, and whether that was something that Inacho had, had well helped to engineer that balance being lost, for want of a better way of putting it. You know, when you look at these things, Mike, um, I can take a very clear black and white view, and that is the law has been broken, and a free kick should be awarded. We've just got to look a bit more closely at the fact that we've ruled out a goal here. And I think that we do have players manufacturing going to ground. And I think there was some element of doubt. Now, okay, if you're a Manchester United fan, you're going to disagree with me 100%. But I think this was one that was iffy. And and I would have liked the goal to have just continued. And, and I'll tell you, without VAR, that, that, that would have been allowed. The referee wouldn't have come in. So what is the gain? The gain is we've chalked off a goal. There's a bigger talking point, Mike, in that game. And that was the, that was the, Mac, the McTominay challenge. 
He's off the ground. He's out of control. He's coming at pace and speed. That's a red card every day. He got a yellow. You know, show a bit of courage. Yeah, you're at Old Trafford. It's Manchester United. He's walking for me. He should have walked. He got away with it. Is it the, in terms of, well, there's a few things you listed there that were wrong with the challenge, the, the height of the foot, uh, the, the the strength of the challenge itself. In terms of the factors there that, that take it from yellow to red, uh, when you're looking at young referees, looking at similar challenges, what what are the, the significant factors there that, that, that drive that call? Yeah, it's a good point. I think there's this line in the laws about reckless and excessive force endangers the safety of an opponent. When a player launches himself with either one or two feet forward off the ground, you can't stop. You You know, there's an outcome. And, and therefore, there's no question in my mind that this challenge, he was out of control. There was a, an element of malice in it that might have been, you know, from frustration. But this... This is McTonomy, and I've seen him do this before. And therefore, I think there's a bit of venom in it, too much for me. And uh, and and I, I would have expected him to walk. So if you're a young referee, you're looking at the, the speed of the challenge, the ability to pull out of it and withdraw. It doesn't matter where the foot lands, because by the very nature that you launch yourself two feet or one foot forward and you're out of control, and there's a player within proximity, you've endangered his safety. And it, it's a fine line between what is reckless and what is endangering the safety of an opponent. So for me, he should have walked. And I, I, I was disappointed that VAR didn't come in, uh, given that VAR was Michael Oliver. Yeah, no help there for Andre Mariner. There was help in the lunchtime kickoff, though. Liverpool against Watford. Stuart Atwell in the middle uh, didn't see a holding offence late on. But uh, John Brooks urged him to go and take another look. And, you know, this is something we've talked about often, Keith, grappling in the penalty area. Yeah. In this instance, with a player clearly not looking at the ball or the corners it came in, but just kind of rugby tackling an opponent, um, this was a penalty given. Yeah, and I think VAR, John Brook, one of the new boys on the block. I mean, he's been refereeing some years, but he's new to the Premier League. I think he was spot on. The, the thing that highlights it for me is the inconsistency that exists within within this area. We've talked about it before. Well, you, you've preempted my my next question because you know, we'll, are we going to see this next week? Well, the answer is no. You know, because even Mike Dean, when he's refereeing, he sometimes penalises it, and other times he doesn't. And you know, I mean, you had one today in the in the, in the Newcastle game where. Martin Atkinson goes in, has a quiet word, tells him to come apart, but he still continues. And it's, am I trying to be the guy who clears it up? No, I think that the referees should look at themselves and apply the law consistently. And they can do that at the beginning of the season. So, okay, let's bin this season. They've ignored it. They've allowed it to happen, apart from this odd one like today. They should start next season by bringing the managers together and saying, right, okay, this is not this is poor for the image of the game. We're going to stop it and we're really going to penalise it. We're not, we're not going to go through this route of warning, talking and you ignoring us. We're just going to penalise it, either by a penalty kick or a free kick. We're going to penalise it. 
Interestingly, and I don't know, only this is now that you've mentioned, you know, going to the summer and looking at what referees are going to focus on as jog my mind. Obviously, we've had the World Cup draw on Friday and normally ahead of a World Cup, we get, you know, the list of things that referees are really going to look at. Uh, you know, this is something that's going to be clamped down on in this particular competition. Um, do we know yet what those things are for, going to be for the World Cup? No, we, no, we don't, because... What they do is they work with the referees throughout the, 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 the lead up to the World Cup. One month before the World Cup, they'll announce who, who the referees are going to be. You know, they've got that long list at the moment. That will be reduced. Question we've got is, is Taylor and Oliver both going? There's a strong chance, I think, because they are two very good referees, despite the criticism. They are our top referees in this country. So one, one would hope that they'd both go. I think UEFA at the moment are probably and FIFA favouring Anthony Taylor because of his actions at the Euros last year with Christian Eriksen. So, I, I, yes, the process and procedure will be there. They'll be brought into meetings. Of course, they'll have that separate panel of VAR specialists that are, are going to be referees. I think Stuart Atwell's in the frame to be to be one of those. And he will go to training camps. They will have rigorous training physically and also looking at decisions and getting a consistency. The one thing about the World Cup is, you know, many people used to say when I was in charge, I was too draconian and made referees accountable. There is no bigger competition than the World Cup and the European Championships where referees, if they perform poorly in a game, get sent home on the plane. It, it's, it's that tough. So they're there. They're there by selection. Of course, the thing that will be the big talking point, I think, at the next World Cup coming up in November is the uh, automated offside system because I think FIFA will apply that. Let's look at some uh, more incidents than when VAR didn't come in this weekend in the Premier League. Uh, Veghorst of Burnley... An elbow, it appeared, from you know a long cold kick coming forward. He's going to challenge in the air, but there's a, an elbow before he goes for the header. Yellow card issues. Should this have been red? I don't know what he gives a yellow card for. I don't know which law that allows him. When the elbow has been used as a weapon, as in this case, backward movement, clenched fist, all the, all the readings are that this is out to damage um, therefore, yellow, not for me, that's a red. And that's not part of the game of football. So, yeah, easy, isn't it? Sat in the armchair, making these decisions and saying red. But referees have got to be consistent. This is Craig Pawson in the middle and John Moss, the uh, the VAR. <laughs> Sean Dyche was complaining, oh, maybe we should have had a penalty when Tarkovsky goes down in the, in the second half. Um, but it... Again, it's not mentioned really by managers post-match when you get away with something the other way. Well, they won't, will they? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, it's like McTonomy's challenge. I mean, I'm I'm watching uh, match of the day thinking they're going to major on it and it didn't even get shown, which amazed me. Yeah. Given that it was Leicester and Gary Lineker in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps that proves he doesn't have too much editorial control. Yeah, that's probably uh, over right. What goes in the programme. Um, Leeds with a late penalty claim as well. Gelhart going down. I think this was in about the 88th minute of the game against Southampton, a one-all draw. Was there a claim here? I don't think it was strong enough for me to say that's a that's a penalty kick. Uh, I wouldn't have expected. I think the referee got the judgment right. 
it's it's one of those where you know, a lot of fervor, a lot of thing. He's got to show neutrality, and I think he did that. So I'd support the referee on that particular decision. And the other one I wanted to ask you about is the incident with Cresswell oh. late in the West Ham Everton game. Richarlison is going to ground, lands on or near the the ball. Uh, Cresswell goes to kick something, kicks Richarlison essentially, doesn't go anywhere near the ball at all. Um, it looked like a, a petulant swipe at an opponent, really. Um, I don't know if you saw that any differently than me, Keith. No, I didn't. Um, I think that was a red card. I think one of the dilemmas that appears to be facing the Football Association on these things is that there's no doubts before VAR, that would have been reviewed. You know, the referee would have been asked, did you see this incident? If he says no, or his judgment is a yellow card, then they might not take it any further. But in reality, this is the type of uh, incident where it endangered the safety of an opponent. There's no question about that. Around the heady area, we've we've had these debates, haven't we, all year about uh, the need to protect players from injury in terms of around the head area, you know, concussion substitutes, and here's a guy trying to kick the head off, off somebody's shoulders. Not 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 good. Mm. Uh, Cresswell with a yellow card uh, for his involvement uh, around that time, which, again, you wonder whether that should be looked at a little bit more uh, closely. But just on that, because, uh, again, uh, as a Leicester fan, I see a lot of Leicester City fans on, on Twitter talking about VAR and it coming in, and uh, in, in two incidents, it appears to have favoured Manchester United. Other incidents during the weekend... Uh, have, have looked, oh, it's this big club bias from VAR, the Liverpool penalty being won, et cetera, et cetera. But then you look through the incidents, Burnley against Manchester City. Well, Manchester City's the big club there. They've not got that decision. Uh, Leeds with a penalty claim against Southampton. Sorry, Southampton fans, but Leeds are a slightly bigger club. They've not got that decision. It's it's funny how you know these narratives get drawn up as to you know whether you know VAR is there to help big clubs, but I don't think the evidence really bears that out, Keith. No, I don't. I, I think that what we've got in the Premier League is we're three years into the process um, and it needs a review. It's not working, in my opinion, as well as it should, because I don't think common sense has been applied. I do think that the criteria for its operation is clear, but there is an inconsistency among the group in relation to how VAR comes in and therefore it leaves itself open to criticism. I still believe very strongly that we need a panel of specialists. You know, when when we look at those six referees that are 50 plus now, uh, Atkinson, Friend, you know, I've named them Moss, Mariner, Dean, Scott. I think, I think I'd be sort of sitting them down before the start of next season and saying, right, okay, I'm going to have you or I want to invite you to become VAR specialists and that's all you're going to do. Now, you know, we've seen Mike Dean announce his retirement. Um, I can tell you at this moment in time, Mike Dean has not been offered a role as VAR by the PGM. Could that change? No, they've never offered him the role. Oh, right. So um, that's not official, you know. That's official. He's not. Out, he's not been offered it. I, I can't understand why not. <laughs> you know, 
But then these are the things that happen in, in the PJOL and it's it's the way it's run. Well, this is, I mean, that seems bizarre to me because not only are you losing a referee on the pitch with 22 years of top flight experience, but that institutional knowledge would seem to be, you know, brilliant to have around within a refereeing group, even if it is just as a, a VAR. And I'm using just with the inverted commas because it's such an important role. No, I, I, you know, I wanted Jeff Winter. I can remember Jeff Winter retiring and me saying, right, I want him as a coach. And that didn't materialise. And I think I've always been disappointed with that decision by the PGMOL board not to accept his, his role within that thing. But they didn't know him. Jeff Winter's a great educator. You know, he'd been a bank manager, a great communicator. And therefore, we lost him. I don't think you can lose someone of the, of the quality of, of Dean. You know, he's a, he is a good communicator. He's, he's, a, he's a good referee coach. But then I think the same about Mark Elsey. You know, I think that the, the organisation has lost some really good referees, uh, no no bigger than Howard Webb and Mark Lattenberg. There's, there's one more incident from the weekend that I just want to clear up quickly um, before we go on to something else. And it was from the Spurs-Newcastle game. Uh, it's a free kick that, that is taken and the ball may or may not brush the arm of Chris Wood, uh, Newcastle striker, on its way into the net. I've looked at this several times. I can't work out whether or not it's touched his arm or not. Um, if it was clear that the ball had just brushed his hand, maybe you could see the ball deviate slightly in the air or the spin changes or something like that, would the goal have to be ruled out, Keith? The goal would have been ruled out because that you, you cannot score with the accidental use of your hand or arm. So... Had it, had it been clarified, and it, and I share your view, I don't think it did strike the hand at all. Certainly not clearly. Certainly video is not clear. And if, if, if you say to the referee, go to the monitor, he's going to, say, he's going to be saying what you sent me to the monitor for. Um, because it wasn't clear and obvious. The, the, the point of that monitor as well, yeah. They're using the uh, the Ultra HD screens at Stockley Park, and he's got that tiny monitor. You know, They've probably got a better view where... In Stockley Parker, that sort of thing, than, than than going to a monitor at the side of the pitch. I think we should bring in Snicker, <laughs> <laughs> not the sweet, but the, uh, the 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 thing they use in cricket, which I always think is brilliant. But then we we're involved in the process. So had it been confirmed that he'd had struck the arm accidentally on the way, the goal would have been ruled out. You can't score a goal accidentally with your hand and arm. Well, you heard it here first. The Snickometer for the Premier League next season. Let's have it. Um, now we're heading towards the, the you know the business end. That's throughout all the cliches of the season. And as we get to the the big big games, Manchester City, Liverpool, not least next weekend, it's going to be a huge laser focus on referees and refereeing decisions as title races, relegations, playoffs all sorts of things are decided and how referees deal with the extra scrutiny that's going to be on them over the next weeks and months. Is there anything different they have to do, Keith? Is there anything um, that as a refereeing group you would want them to look at? Uh, How do you approach the final weeks of the season when the pressure amps up even more than it is at this point? I think that this is an ongoing process, Mike. You know, this is like almost preparing to take a driving test. 
uh, you practice, 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 but you do that over a longer period. And when you've actually passed your test, you become a better driver because you start doing things naturally. This should be the process for refereeing. Uh, I used to use sports psychologists because you, there are ways in which you can reduce pressure. Familiarity with the ground is is important. Preparation. You know, why was why was Pierre-Luigi Colina one of the world's greatest referees? He prepared in detail. And this is, this is where I think, you know, you've got to go into a game, yes, with a blank piece of paper, but you know the players and the behaviour of the players because you've refereed them before. And really, you know, this, this was a great showing of Willie Collum today in, in, in how he, he prepared, you know, how, how he built up a game plan in his own mind. I'm not going to jump in with yellows. I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to allow the game to breathe. I'm going to let the players just entertain. Sometimes we see our referees interfering and you know this is no different for the you know because this is the time of the year when referees are being given semi-finals and finals in local football or, or end of season games you know I watched a young referee yesterday at Hallam uh, on Saturday um, Hallam uh, you know had, had to win to some degree to win the league which they did and I you know I thought he refereed the game really well he, he, he wanted to control the players he spoke to them, perhaps too much on occasions, but he, he wanted to get the message across. I think it's going to be interesting, Goodyear Point, for the big game next week. I think I'll be putting Michael Oliver on the game and saying, right, OK, sort it. But I think generally referees have to be prepared. And of course, there's those that have got niggling injuries. Uh, you know, they, they don't go away. They're all looking for a rest. The one thing about refereeing is like, and it parallels business. If in business you think you've achieved everything, the the way is down. And what you do is you, you can't stand still in sport. You can't stand still in business. Otherwise, once you start to stand still up there, you regress. So this is about preparation. It's about selection. You know, one of the great things is that over the years, uh, the teams of match officials has worked extremely well. I mean, look, this weekend, there was a colleague who I've admired for a number of years, Darren Can. He's, he's been an outstanding assistant referee on the Premier League and at world level. And, you know, in 2010, him and Mike Malarkey, his colleague, refereed or ran the line for Howard Webb at the World Cup. And he continues, uh, and, and 500 plus, plus games, he'd be out next weekend. I'd want him on one of those games. So there's the games at the top to determine who's going to be in the four. It spreads right down. And there's games at the bottom who are facing the potential of relegation. Yeah, well, Burnley have got some meaty ones over the coming weeks, haven't they? So there's there's plenty to, to, to keep an eye on there as well. Although before we go, Keith, we should hand out some praise because there was a final today at Wembley, the uh, EFL Trophy final, cracking game. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Rotherham United on their 4-2 win uh, over Sutton. Um, you know, A last-ditch equaliser to take it into extra time and then uh, two more uh, excellent goals. Seb Stockbridge, yeah. the referee uh, in the game. How do you think he handled it all? I thought he was brilliant. His fitness levels were superb. His movement was terrific. Uh, and he sustained it in that added time. So 
uh, you know, I watched him put a few sprints in. I think he made some really good decisions. Didn't overreact. Managed the players effectively. Do you know what? I'd call him into the office if I was continuing to boss. I'd be saying, right, next year, son, you're in SG1. I'm bringing you in now. Because I think he's got the maturity. He's certainly got the credibility in terms of his decision-making. I thought it was an impressive performance, but not just by him. I think his two assistant referees uh, did extremely well. And, hey, isn't it amazing when we, you know, we're now getting used to seeing, you know, a woman on the line at, at, at the finals, which is, which is a great achievement, you know, in, in English football. You know, we, we've relied so much on the ones in the Premier League. So I think it's great. I think, I think it was a really good performance. I thought for a long time, Sutton were the better team. In fairness, I thought they played extremely well. I was sat on the edge of my ta- chair, hoping of hope, because I think the, I think Tony Stewart, who, who runs Rotherham United, runs a side ship, and I think the manager there is just Paul Warren is just a, a great guy. I think he'd be quite happy to just have a rest now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's still got to try and win League One, so uh, no real rest for Paul Warren at the moment. But I totally get that, and and, and one of the nicest men in football yeah, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, so congratulations to him. Uh, congratulations to Steb Stockbridge on a fine performance in the final as well. Um, if you'd like to praise a referee again, you can get in touch with the show, or indeed, if you want to talk about uh, some decisions that uh, happened through the week that you want Keith to get his teeth into, hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is the email address. You can find us through the week on Twitter as well at seen underscore them underscore given and uh, we've got plenty to look forward to we will see you next week uh, to look back on Manchester City Liverpool and which way the Premier League title could be going and let's hope Keith it is down to a bit of quality or something away from refereeing absolutely that we're talking about next week Keith thanks for your time we will see you next time 